Hello, my name is Paul Kearney. I'm Professor of Politics and Public Policy. And this is a series of short podcasts to accompany my series of blog posts, which introduce key public policy concepts and theories in 1,000 words. Now, this podcast is on the Advocacy Coalition Framework, or the ACF. Now, if you look at the, the post that accompanies this podcast, we start off with this flow diagram. It's worth, it's worth exploring that diagram in some depth. So on the right-hand side, you have what they call a policy subsystem, which is the same kind of understanding we have in quite a few of these posts, and that you can follow up with a, a study of subsystems or networks. And they're trying to capture this idea that you know, most policy is made within these subsystems, but there is this important context going on outside. So we have these uh, external events that can help influence decisions made within them. Uh, actors within subsystems have these you know, constraints or resources. They have these um, elements of stability, stable parameters. And you know, to reflect the application of these studies outside of the US, they have this box on long-term coalition opportunity structures, which essentially describes, for example, the kinds of uh, different opportunities you have in systems where you have your know, coalition or minority government and such like. Now this theory was developed by Paul Sabati and Hank Jenkins-Smith and they're trying to describe, explain or capture an incredibly complicated policy environment. So they're not trying to focus on a specific element, they're trying to capture this process as a whole. You know, so they talk about it contains many actors at many levels of government. It's a process in which there's a high level of uncertainty and ambiguity related to bounded rationality, which we talk about in many posts. It can take years to turn decisions into outcomes. In fact, they recommend focusing on you know, at least 10 years of a, a subsystem process. And they identify you know, processes that can be very different. So some issues are highly politicised, contain many actors trying to influence the outcomes. Others can be treated as technical, specialist, and processed routinely by experts out of the public's spotlight. Now, if we look at the key terms, you know, the, the, by far the, the most important term, I think, is, is beliefs. So, you know, their kind of foundational assumption is that people engage in politics to translate their beliefs into action. Now, they talk about three different types, a kind of hierarchy of beliefs. So uh, they talk about core beliefs which are fundamental and unlikely to change. So you know, it's akin to a religious conversion in this kind of 10-year period that we're talking about. But they tend to be too broad to guide detailed policy. So, you're, you're, so for example, your views on human nature are not easily translatable into uh, policy emphasis. So then they talk about policy core beliefs. Uh, more specific, so it could be, you know, the, what's the proper balance between the state and the market? How far should the state intervene? Well, that, that really gets into uh, the kind of fundamental beliefs you have about, you know, who should be involved in solving problems. Then you have so-called secondary aspects, which relate, uh, for example, to the implementation policy, or the, the, there are the kinds of beliefs that change when you learn about how, uh, you know, the success of a particular policy or the success of particular policy instruments. So it might be that you change from supporting regulation to supporting economic incentives if you if you see the, the the effects of them. The second kind of foundational uh, concept 
is the advocacy coalition itself. So this is, uh, they, their definition is that a coalition contains people from a variety of positions, elected and agency officials, interest group leaders, researchers, who share a particular belief system. Now importantly, they show a non-trivial degree of coordinated activity over time. So this separates them, for example, from coalitions of convenience. You know, these are people who are brought together uh, in large part because of their beliefs and they coordinate their activity you know, to a non-trivial degree. You know, it's a, a sustained amount of activity. The next key term is policy learning. So you're talking about coalitions competing with each other or people within coalitions are cooperating with each other and in each case they're learning from developments such as policy implementation. Now this learning is described as, you know, it takes place through the lens of the beliefs held by the actors. So each different coalition with different beliefs can produce very different interpretations of facts and events or developments. So that learning is a, a political process. You're talking about coalitions interpreting selectively the information they have and using it to exercise power. So in some cases, so in some cases, they can interpret information in very similar ways. Okay, there, are, there can be commonly accepted ways to you know, measure things like policy performance. In other cases, you're talking about you know, something like a, a battle of ideas where people are not just competing to interpret information. They're also demonizing their opponents. They're exaggerating the influence and maliciousness of their opponents and try to do down their interpretation of events. So even you know uh, something like uh, that looks like technical scientific information is often politicised, and you know this is important when, for example, you have a dominant coalition that can politicise information, successfully challenge the you know the science or the data supporting policy change. They can they can challenge that for years. The next. Uh, key concept is the subsystem itself. So that, that comes up in a lot of discussions we've had and they're often called networks as well. Um, so you've got advocacy coalitions competing with each other and they tend to do that within subsystems. So these are issue-specific networks. And when I, when I focus on networks in a different post, I'll explain you know, why they're so pervasive. You know, it's, it's often you know, the size of the state is so large that you know, policymakers have no choice but to sort of delegate decisions and, uh, you know, have you know, delegated, uh, you know, civil servants making policy routinely in these subsystems with interest groups. The next uh, concepts uh, pop up in particular studies, not all studies, but, you know, are kind of key to the original discussion. So it would be... The policy broker and a sovereign. So some some uh, you know so subsystems contain actors who are not necessarily part of coalitions, or they make decisions to adjudicate between them. Um, then you have this idea of, of policy change over a decade or more. So we're talking about relationships, policies, policy change that takes place over what they say is a you know a notionally a full policy cycle, but you know a significant period of time to work out what happens. And then a final concept worth discussing is so-called enlightenment function. So you've got core beliefs which are uh, you know, uh, often seen as you know, normative or, or beyond empirical challenge, you know, like religion, 
unlikely to change during uh, you know, one policy cycle, but they might change over decades. So the enlightenment function is often attributed to, for example, scientists. They may not have a direct impact on policy, but they have this long-term process of, of you know, influencing how people uh, think in a fundamental sense. Now, the ACF generally describes two different kinds of process. One is a kind of routine and one is a non-routine. So the, the routine is a process of, you know, continuous minor policy change. So you have coalitions competing with each other, engaged in policy learning, but they tend to, you know, shift the secondary aspects of their beliefs in the light of new information. In most cases, that's a routine process. They monitor implementation, they gather new information and they learn from it, you know, through the lens of their pre-existing beliefs. And it takes place in a system which is, you know, has these relatively stable factors, you know, so social attitudes might stay the same for that 10-year period, constitutional structure might be the same, and the opportunities, you know, for each of the actors might be quite similar. And, you know, there may be, you know, uh, you know the socioeconomic context might be quite stable. Then you have these relatively rare cases where you have the potential for rapid and potentially major policy change. And they describe these in terms of internal or external shocks. So an internal shock relates to the effect of, for example, a major external event on a, a coalition's belief system. You know, a bit like a crisis of confidence within the, the dominant coalition. So events prompt this coalition or the actors within it to revisit its, its policy core beliefs. Uh, so some actors might, you know, realise that existing policies have failed. They might uh, depart to a different coalition. Um, now that's different from an external shock, which has this added element of competition. So the other coalition, or another coalition, uses that experience to reinforce its position within the subsystem. It, you know, it, it, it capitalises on this crisis of confidence it demonstrates that its belief system is better equipped to interpret new information, solve the policy problem. So in both cases, the point is the external event enough is not enough to cause an external shock. It has to be it has to prompt this crisis of confidence, or it has to be exploited successfully by a competing coalition. So that you know it has to be well led, well equipped to learn and adapt, and it has to be able to use resources to you know to to frame interpret that information exploit events, you know, shift public opinion, rally support, and, you know, those sorts of things. So those kinds of external events, they can be, you know, anything from the election of a new government with, with very different beliefs from the dominant coalition to a so-called focusing event like an environmental crisis that undermines the ability of the coalition to defend, you know, current policies such as a lack of regulation. Um, but the point is, you know, a lot of these factors, uh, global recession, environmental crisis, demographic change, they appear to be the sole or the main cause of change. But the point here is that coalitions influence how policymakers understand those crises, how they interpret events and how they respond to them. So external events should be seen as, 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 as things that provide new resources to, to some coalitions, but it's up to them to exploit the opportunity. If you're listening to this podcast after the punctuated equilibrium, you can see the same initial development from case studies in the US.
But in this case, there was a particular focus on environmental policy. It's changed since then to, uh, to, to prompt an incredible amount of case studies outside the US and other policy fields. And we're still really picking up how many case studies there have been and, and what the overall effect is. Now, this what one effect of that expansion has been that some of the flow diagram has changed and some of the assumptions of the ACF have changed. So, as I discussed at the start, the idea of long-term coalition opportunity structures came from applications to European countries where they had different electoral systems uh, and you know different venues in which to pursue policy change. Uh, the, the the authors of the ACF or, or its kind of core team also are sort of continuously revising its assumptions, clarifying, revising earlier arguments. So that, that's how I would sum up the ACF. It's one of the most ambitious policy frameworks, trying to capture a very complex, complicated policy-making system, trying to provide an overall overview of that process, and trying to constantly update the way in which people interpret those events.